Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. That's right, you're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian Tian with your market view. Now, it's the start of a brand new year and uh, as we head into the first trading day of 2023, what should we be looking at in the US and also within Asia? Now, back home, Singapore's Deputy Prime Minister and Minister for Finance, Lawrence Wong, set to deliver the country's FY 2023 budget statement in Parliament on 14th of February. But what can we expect in a high inflationary environment this time round? Now, to break down all of these, let's speak to Song Seung-Woon, economist at CIMB Private Banking. And he's, in fact, with us at the studio right now. Hi, Mr. Song. Welcome yes, to the thank show. You. Good to be back in person. Oh, I great to have you. Yes, since I last stepped inside the studio. And this is the first time I've met you, despite the fact that we've known each other for more than two years. Indeed, indeed. Good to be seeing life, life returning to normal, which is what we hope to see hmm. in terms of this upcoming budget. and Some semblance of normality right. as we put the pandemic behind us. But obviously, we have new challenges uh, mm. to deal with, as you mentioned. Well, speaking about new challenges, mm. let's start with the US as usual. The US stock market suffered a beating last year, major averages ending as much as mm. 33% in the red. The analyst said the big themes for 2023 continues to be the odds of a recession, company profits. So in that regard, mm. to what extent do you think the US Fed can engineer a soft landing and where will market move for January at least? Well... I think it's still trying to find its feet, uh, given the wall of uncertainty remains the same mm-hmm. carrying forward from last year. I mean, we must remember the U.S. market had had a great run right. prior three years. So it is not unusual and indeed expected. The only question is how much it declined by. So from what we can see, yes, anything went 20 to 30 percent. Uh, now that we are seeing some sense that interest rates around the world are starting to taper off, but they still have some more room to grow. Mm. Perhaps it will be a, a, a case of you know, a year with two halves when people are still trying to find their feet around to what extent inflation is going to taper off, how quickly it is, to what extent interest rate is going to rise and how, how soon they can stabilize or even come off. Not so soon, I think, coming off. Once they get a feel around, then I think we have greater stability on market sentiment and give you a gauge of how probability of companies come in because now it's a case of how consumer deal with higher cost of living, to what extent they can spend and to what extent companies can pass on a higher Mm. cost and whether a consumer right. can take it. So, um, just very quickly, when mm. you talk about getting a sense of what's going on on mm. the ground and where markets are likely to move, do you expect this stability to come in towards the second half of 2023? I think greater clarity will come as we uh, get into the middle of the year. We think uh, central banks around the world are generally close uh, to holding off sharp increases in interest rate. It's the question of how much more the difficulty of central banks now is that while we are worried about inflation and interest rate and recession, labour market conditions remain fairly supportive. Mm, right. uh, we just had data from uh, Europe uh, mm. today, uh, Germany, Spain, unemployment rate still remains relatively low. In fact, uh, job losses came in, there were more jobs created than job losses. Uh, if this Friday US job reports mm. come in again better than expected, then it seems that US consumer, American uh, and European consumer are still able to take all the higher costs and spending uh, to go with it. So if so, central banks will have to be a bit more aggressive. So mm. really boils down to to what extent confidence remains. 
on the ground for mm. consumer and businesses in terms of order flow, to what extent they can see higher costs being passed on, and when and if consumers start to feel a bit more shaken, confidence shaken, then we may see inflation picking up and tapering off power more quickly. But certainly not at this juncture when mm. it appears it is still fairly right. okay in terms of the spending side. So as we're trying to grapple with that uncertainty mm. and where rates are going to move growth stocks, which are well, sort of a little bit more sensitive mm, to mm. interest rates. They, they took a beating for much indeed, of 2022. Indeed, indeed. So, like 2022, should we be turning mm. to look at value stocks for 2023? It, or yeah. do you think growth stocks are poised for a rebound? It, it could certainly be a case of as long as anything that relates to interest rate uh, in mm. the first half could still be fine, you know, mm. be, I think, facing significant headwind, mm. just as we've seen with global bonds. I think they took a beating last year. I think uh, one of the benchmark index felt like something like 16% worse mm. performance in don't know how long. Yeah. So we are certainly seeing more people also going a bit more optimistic uh, and back in bonds and, and aiming for bonds again. So similar story in terms of you know value, growth stocks, whether we see recession panning out to, wait, to what extent we see that impacting consumer confidence and spending on the ground, how severe will be the downturn, how protracted, all these things. So it will be a case of still value growth, value growth, you know, mm. a bond as we sort of gingerly make our way through. And after Chinese New Year, after we have chomped mm. off the most expensive <laughs> bakwa uh, for a long, long time. Okay. Uh, well, speaking of uh, Chinese New Year, let's turn our attention mm. to look at China. Mm. Uh, Mr. Song, Chinese authorities, they have dismantled those tough mm. COVID-19 restrictions, but we are seeing a surge in COVID-19 cases. To what extent will the reopening bolster the country's economy? Again, a lot really depends on confidence. If people are comfortable uh, by going out and seeing and hearing that healthcare system is able to cope, they certainly will be hearing of friends themselves, relatives who are being affected, how ill they are, how quickly they recover. If more and more people just share more information that they're recovering faster, then life gets back to normal far more quickly uh, as well. So we are, I think, quite certain that at this juncture, there's still plenty of mm. fear to some extent, but they can quickly, very quickly adapt. Uh, and that fear could subside once we have a greater clarity, some clarity in terms mm. of how it spread, how severe it is. Similarly, I mean, we went through that. Uh, I think much earlier on. So I think much larger scale, obviously, in in China uh, and the rest of the world. So it's really a case, again, of confidence on the ground. And that will, again, either help boost the Chinese recovery as in-person activity picks up after initially, you know, uh, still staying, I think, uh, low for now. But uh, again, we will have to wait and see. But one thing that mm. we might be a little bit more certain, though, is that China's pharmaceutical sector saw a mm. boost amid the surge in cases. Uh, f- pharma aside, but pharma, you can also mm. talk a little bit more about mm, that. Mm, mm. Which are the sectors that will benefit more from China's reopening? And to what extent is mm. that upside limited, though? Oh, I think we certainly have a lot of room. If in-person activities pick up, clearly we, we, we are seeing it right here uh, as well. Pharma, you talk about it very clearly. It can be as simple as if airports are being... Uh, getting busier again, we will certainly see uh, the hospitality sector, you know, getting a boost. You know, uh, anything to do with transportation, logistic, aviation will get a lift. Uh, on the flip side, hospitality sector, you know, whether it is here uh, in Singapore or nearer Hong Kong and Macau, would also 
get a bit of a lift as well. So I think this will move through. It's the only question now really is to what extent the slowdown external sector for goods demand would be compensated by a sharp recovery and growth in the services providing in services producing industry. Uh, so these are the factors that are still playing out. So coming back to the equity mm. or market implication really is we see the same uh, out mm. here, whether it's transport engineering or whether it is as simple as Shanghai Airport right. being busier and you know anything related to those and mm. aviation and transportation to booking services, for right. instance. Mm. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with Song Seng-Wun, economist at CIMB Private Banking. While staying in China, Mr. Mm. Song, a Chinese central bank said on Friday it'll extend the interbank foreign exchange market trading hours mm. to further internationalize the UN and mm. in particular to cover the Asian, European okay. and North American markets. How effective do you think this move will be? Well, given that uh, China is becoming more integrated in the global trade. Yes, we have uh, U.S.-China trade tension that is going to be, you know, always a hurdle. But at least from the Chinese standpoint, there is just more demand in terms mm. of cross currencies, and therefore, I think having a longer trading period gives them more ability also to provide liquidity if they need to, or be able to step in uh, if there's some. Um, unexpected, you know, turbulences in the markets. So essentially, I suppose just China just being more integrated into the global economy, whether it is just regional trade or just essentially the company, the country opening up uh, more, whether it's capital market side or whether it's for FX as well. Mm. And well, Mr. Mm. Song, we must talk about what's happening back home in Singapore. Mm. We have the GDP figures out Indeed. just in the morning. Uh, the number is... Up 3.8% in 2022, mm. which is, is slightly uh, is lower better. than the 7.6% in 2021, but it's better than the government's forecast. Earlier forecast, yeah. Mm. So how do you think our report card looked like? How do you think we performed? Oh, I think because we have opened up earlier and we are able to cope with it, and certainly if you look at, in, in, I think Changi Airport performance uh, in December is like, I think they handle almost 75% of mm. uh, previous uh, post pre-pandemic kind yeah. of uh, uh, figures for, for a December month. So it essentially means that services side, as we talked about earlier, is probably a little bit more. Yes, we're also seeing other industries. Yes, overall manufacturing for tech side, the, we have seen very, two very strong years. We are likely to see slower growth uh, or even drag coming in, in perhaps this year. But elsewhere, transport engineering is doing well. And I think bio, bio or biotech, mm-hmm will be a bit more challenging right, right. In, in, in terms of the pharmaceutical sector last year. It could be coming back. So it's, it's a bit more of a mix back within manufacturing, but generally still okay. So coming back into this year, if mm. global economy continue to hobble along, if global demand for Singapore goods and services still stay resilient, then I think we are fine. But obviously, there's still a lot of cloud over the horizon particularly with regard to to what extent the lag effect of higher interest rate, higher cost of living will mm. play out on household finances and consumption, whether you know they're still planning for three holidays a year or they're cutting <laughs> back to two holidays mm. a year just a regional short trip because they have to spend a bit more on, you know, right, right. etc. as well. So all mm. these things will pair and very importantly, bottom line release, mm. how will it ultimately impact Singapore's labour market. If more people are still looking to hire than to fire and people are still willing to pay more for workers, then I think 
Singapore economy will still hold out reasonably well, at least over the first six months uh, of this year. Maybe some mm-hmm. uncertainty going forward beyond that. But at this point, mm-hmm. I think our fingers crossed, labor market conditions still remain supportive of consumption. External demand, mm-hmm. while softer, is still holding on. Mm. So while we talk, uh, mm. while we save, we'll save that question on the labor market and what's to come at Budget 2023. But before that, the mm. GST raised to 8% mm. over the weekend. Now, earlier companies told our sister publication, The Business Times, that the GST hike will have a limited standalone mm. impact given this uh, wider cost pressures that mm. businesses have been facing. Indeed. What are your thoughts? Who will bear the brunt of the tax increase? I think we all pay as long as we consume anything, goods and services. Yeah. And remember, even when you import uh, e-commerce nowadays, that is, uh, your imports exactly. are subjected to the, the GST uh, as well. I think it still boils down to, if we are still gainfully employed, we still have ang pao to look forward to for Chinese New Year, I think uh, we are able to essentially cope with the the higher cost that's with GST. We do we go through this GST exercise roughly every once every ten years mm-hmm. or, or, or so, slightly longer this time around. So I've gone through and experienced several times now. So we just take it in stride. <laughs> uh, the thing about previous increases mm-hmm. were you would go out buying your your TV, you replace your fridge, and but oh, we have all done this because of the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, that we. Our fridges and our phones and our TV are all brand new, so you don't really get pushed <laughs> into buying earlier mm. to to be so smart that okay, I pay seven percent instead of eight percent. There are still people who, who who will and do do that, but as long as the labor market right. condition support remains supportive as of of us jobs market, mm. I think spending hasn't been as significantly affected mm. as it typically would be before any GST hike. Right, and so here's the big question, mm. right? DPM. And also Minister for Finance, Lawrence Wong, announcing Budget 2023 mm. in mid-February. What do you think we can expect this time round? Well, past three budgets were exceptional budget to cope with exceptional times. We're not quite back to normal budget time yet, mm-hmm. but we are heading in that direction. Yep. So I think the focus still essentially still really very much about long-term Singapore being relevant to the world as a business center, as a hub, uh, etc., you know, uh, is longer-term issues of sustainability, of greening, environment matters a lot. Support for key businesses to continue to upgrade change to essentially cope with the demand of a new world where labor shortage is an issue, technology and knowledge becomes more important. So that will still be the main theme coming back to just more short-term issues, not quite the, the crisis management of the past couple of years, but certainly key issues still remains high cost of borrowing, high cost of living, how to help. We certainly have done a lot mm. over the past you know, a couple of years to help household and businesses cope, which is why unemployment rate, mm. I think, remains fairly, labor market condition remains very resilient. Mm. But yes, we know lack effect of the higher cost of living will continue to eat away on, on, on spending side. We have already had several measures on, on that front. Perhaps there will be further fine-tuning um, given that the overall cost had been much higher than expected when the budget pre- was presented earlier and we had right. several round of measures. Right. So more of these de- dealing with short-term measures on the cost side, I think likely to, to still uh, come through mm-hmm. while focusing on long-term relevance of Singapore to the global economy. I think it's still essentially the key in mm-hmm. a green and sustainable manner. 
I see. Mm. And Mr. Song, uh, before we let you go, I'm, I'm, I must ask you this question. I understand you are very active on social media and you would Not decide really, what's, what's for lunch or dinner based on how markets move. Markets move positively, you have a big lunch or dinner. Markets that's that's move, my excuse. Yeah. Not, not so positively, you would uh, drink something. I, I'm not saying what, <clears throat> right, to drown your sorrows. So looking at how stocks are faring, mm-hmm. signals for today, I want to ask what's for dinner for you. Well, given that it's the start of a new year and Chinese New Year is just around the corner, I think just a jolly excuse to just go eat and drink and marry with friends who had been able to, <laughs> to, to meet for, which we haven't met for a long time. So I'll still be back in my neighbourhood at one of my regular uh, eating joints mm. uh, for a sip or two and, um, and a meal and a bite or two as well. It, 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 I think it, there will be quite a bit of a few things on the table for to drinks and to chomp on at mm. this juncture. There's way too many restaurants around, but good ones we still go back to. Okay, so if you want to find out more about what's for <laughs> dinner from Mr. Song, you have to check out his Facebook. <laughs> Thanks very much, Mr. Song. That Take was care. Song Seng Woon, economist at CIMB Private Banking. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.